you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for putting faith in our hearts to proclaim Jesus as Lord, Son of the living God. We pray that in the confusing and dark places of life that you would continue to shine the light of your Son. It would continue to work by your Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of your Son as the living Son, the Son of the living God who is here for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith. Guard us and keep us this day. We pray you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds and that you would work by your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus and the disciples are, are, are walking a, li a little bit out of their normal walk around the Sea of Galilee. And the last couple of weeks have been interesting to see where they go. Remember, it wasn't long ago we saw them in Tyre and Sidon, way out on the west, kind of outside of the Jewish culture, on the, on the outskirts, on the boundaries of things, really in the midst of a pagan culture. I mean, enemies of the Israelites at one point. And now we see them moving into the region of Caesarea Philippi. All right, 25 miles north or so from Capernaum, up in a region where most of the Jews wouldn't go. See, Caesarea Philippi had been Greek for a very long time, and they worshipped the god Pan there. As the Romans came in and took things over, they continued worship of this Greek god Pan. Pan was a god of fertility. And the place at which they had a temple set up for him was at the mouth of this cave where water came out. And if you talk to the Greeks of that day, they would say, that is a gate to Hades. You see, where water flows, and especially into dark places, that would take a god, that would be the way in which they would come back and forth between the world and Hades. And they would do indescribable acts grotesque things, to gather the attention of this god Pan and try and get his attention, to try and get him to act within their lives. It was a dark place. It was an evil place. And so it's interesting to see where Jesus is taking his disciples and the conversations that he has with them there and the miracles that happen in the midst of those places. I mean, it almost makes you think of his questions and parables when he says, you know, when a shepherd has a whole flock, yet one is lost, does he not leave the 99 and search for that one? Maybe they're up there looking for those lost souls, looking for those uh, of the family of God who have strayed away. But nonetheless, they're in this region of Caesarea Philippi, a dark place. And Jesus asks a question. So, disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they come up with some great responses, right? Well, some say he's John the Baptist. Well, Herod said he was John the Baptist, come back from the dead, right? And then, well, maybe it's Elijah. People say that the Son of Man is Elijah. We've been waiting for Elijah to come back for a long time now. At every Passover, we have a seat waiting for him at the table. So, maybe the Son of Man is Elijah. Maybe it's Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And you can imagine Jesus just kind of nodding his head as they walk along. And in the midst of this dark place, he's, he's looking for where they're grounded, right? He says, all right, who do you say that I am? Peter, 
the loud voice of the disciples, stands up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whether or not he knew all of what that meant, those are the words that flowed from his mouth, the solid confession of a disciple of the Son of Man, right? You are the Christ, the Messiah, the sent one from God, the Son, the very Son of the living God. That's an amazing confession. And Jesus acknowledges that. He says, blessed are you. Now, listen next week for the other words that he has for Peter, so you're going to have to tune in then as well. But this time, he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven. So that's, that's the beautiful miracle of this moment. That's the beautiful miracle of this confession is that God works through his people, through his called ones, through his family to bring about faith, faith in Jesus Christ himself. This moment of bright light in the midst of a culture of darkness where there's so much uncertainty going on. So I ask you, what feels certain for you right now? Does daily life feel certain? Does the regular routine of school and work feel certain? Does a Places you used to go to eat or shop or travel feel certain? Does the word that you receive in the news feel certain? Does the politicians that you look to for certain guidance feel certain? What in your life feels certain right now? As the disciples walked with Jesus outside of their certainty, outside of their places that were comfortable and familiar, there is one thing that remained certain who Jesus is and that one thing remains certain now that same promise that he has that he gave to to Simon when he calls him Peter and he says upon this rock the gates of hell the gates of Hades the evil things of the world will not prevail against it won't prevail against what well that confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, not one of the dead gods that people were trying to grab attention from, not one of the inactive gods that wasn't doing anything, but the actual living, creative, active and working God, the one that is the creator over everything and seeing Christ as his Son, Jesus as his Son from eternity come into the world to proclaim a word of forgiveness and to proclaim a word of love and proclaim a word of certainty in the midst of darkness and confusion. That promise remains the same. That promise remains certain as he walked with the disciples, and that promise remains certain for you in the midst of our uncertain times and uncertain world right now. Jesus remains certain. His living remains certain. His forgiveness remains certain. His promises of coming back remain certain your identity as a child of God because of the work that he has done for you upon the cross and in his death and his resurrection remains absolutely certain it's something you can hold on to it's something you can trust in it's something that you can know for actual certainty that it is finished and done and complete and that you are his no matter what the word and world looks like around God's word 
remains true and certain. Those promises are what we hope in. Those promises are what we hold on to. Now, he doesn't just leave it at that, though. He also sends the disciples with a bit of an authority. He says, look, I'm going to send you with the authority to forgive and the authority to hold accountable. Now, it's not based upon what their wishes and whims and wills are, but based upon the certainty of who Christ is and the work that he has done and sends us out into those dark places to speak that same word of forgiveness and say, I see where you're at in the uncertainties of life, yet God has given us a certain word in Christ that he has died for our sins and lives again for our salvation. And that's a word of certainty you can take with you everywhere that you go. I pray that as you go where God has called you, that that word of certainty is what shapes your life, what shapes your heart, and what shapes your being, knowing that you are loved and forgiven by God first, and he sends you out to love and care for those who are around you. All of it grounded in the certainty of what Christ has done for you. In his name, amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us through your Son, Jesus, and that he is the Son of the living God, living as well for our good and for our benefit, and to come once again to gather those in his name together for eternal life. That there is no death or inactivity in Christ, but only life and forgiveness, grace, mercy, and the love you have for your creation. We pray that you would Keep us in that love by your Spirit. In Jesus' name.